0: It's just a face. Has anybody ever been encouraged with those words before, it's just a face? How many uh, newborn parents, like your baby hasn't had their first birthday yet? Just raise your hand if you don't mind. Look, look, at, look at these people. They're the ones with blood. This is what sleep deprivation looks like. You need to pray for them that just raise their hands. But, you know, I remember walking into the office to my pastors, and their boys are both older. And walk in and be bleary-eyed and dragging into the office when we had babies. And they would lovingly look at us and look at me and just be like, it's okay, Mark. It's just a phase, right? How I many have toddlers in the room? Raise your hands you have toddlers. I know that this never happens for you. Once or twice, though, my kid has misbehaved in public, thrown a tantrum. And uh, you know what happens when your kid misbehaves. What is everybody else in the vicinity doing? They are looking at you, right? And are they loving you and giving you grace? What are they doing? They are they're judging you. That's what they're doing. Like, and you know it. And it never fails. Well, actually, sometimes it does. But occasionally, there'll be that graceful person around, and they'll come up to you, and they'll, they'll walk by and loving you, look at you, and say, hey, honey, it's okay. It's just a... Just a phase. How many parents of teenagers in the room? Okay, just keep your hands up for a second. We're just going to have a prayer meeting right now. Now, teenagers, I haven't gotten there yet, but so I hear it can be a challenging phase of parenting and life because sometimes a teenager might live in your home and eat your food and wear the clothes you buy them, but they don't really want to respect your rules or respect you and some of you maybe possibly you know just on a far outside maybe you've gotten to a place where you've hit your limit I didn't get any amens there um, I got an amen first service and you might reach out to some wise older parent who has made it through this season and they will counsel you over the phone and they'll say it's okay it's just a phase but they'll remember they love you at some point right And it's good wisdom. It's just a phase. But the only problem with that piece of wisdom is that it is absolutely true. Just like the video, it's just a phase, and we don't want to miss that phase. You know, you see the the backdrop, and you know, as I look at this, I've got three children. My boys are six and eight, my daughter is 11, she's sitting over here, so I have to preach this really good and be honest. But I've already lost some of these phases with my kids, and I can never get them back. Maybe you've already lost some, and guess what, you can never get them back, because time, it's going, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp the reality of just how quick that time goes, so got a little illustration. And I'll go ahead and say, uh, some of you have kind of heard a form of this message about a little over a year ago. And this is one of those messages, it doesn't hurt to hear it once a year. But this right here is 936 marbles. It's just how easy it is to lose one, by the way. And these marbles represent the weeks, the average number of weeks you have from when your child is born and you bring them back home from the hospital to when your child graduates from high school, 936 weeks. 936 opportunities to make a difference, to invest in your kids, to shape them, to mold them, to encourage them, to be their champion, to be their greatest cheerleader. And I mean, when you look at this, this looks like a lot, right? Some of you are like, whew, we got a lot to work with here. I mean, I've got a lot of marbles, but the thing is, if you have a nine-year-old, you're down to 468 marbles and you've already lost half your marbles. How many of you feeling that, right? Feeling like you lost some, some of you know you've lost more than half. My pastor, he's lost all his marbles with one of his sons already. It's the only time I can get away with saying my pastor or my boss lost all his marbles. You've already lost half of them. And if you're at 468 marbles, that means you are only 312 marbles away from them getting their driver's license. Help us, Jesus. And when you get to this point, you're only four family vacations away from, till they move out of the house and they're gone. You do know they're supposed to do that, right? They're supposed to move out and move on to a new phase of life, they're not supposed to stay. And so once you lose a marble, you can never get it back. Now you'll have relationship and you'll be with your kids after they graduate high school, but you are never gonna have the phases back, the marbles back that you have lost from that moment when you brought them home until they graduate high school. And so this message isn't designed to depress every parent in the room. Stay with me. I'm going to encourage you. But it is to challenge us, to remind us of just how quick it goes, and not to focus on all the marbles, but to focus on this one. This week. This opportunity to make this marble count. Because if we can raise the bar for this week and then raise the bar for next week, we're going to change the trajectory of our children's lives and of our relationship with them. But it doesn't just happen. We have to make a choice. Look at somebody and say, make them count. Tell the the other person you just ignored, make every marble count. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 9, we're going to look at a passage to kind of challenge us and encourage us. Now, I'm going to speak unapologetically to parents today, but I think over half the people that came up to me, I had more people who are not currently in any of these phases come up to me after first service and say, that really challenged me. I had one grandpa come up and say, a year ago I heard this message and I carry that marble in my pocket every single day. I had a dad come up to me about a month ago and said, Mark, you really should preach that message again. I have two marbles in my pocket for my two little girls and I carry them in my pocket as a reminder. Another mom between service says, I had that marble in my purse and every time I see it, I start to kind of blubber up like some of you did through that video but it's a reminder that we wanna make them count. And so whatever season you're in life, say you're not a parent, um, guess what? You're still counting marbles. Let's say you're single and you don't have kids yet, you don't have that significant other yet. Hey, are you gonna make your marbles count for your 20s? Or are you just gonna throw them away and waste them? You gotta make a choice to make them count. Let's say you're married but have no kids. Whew, anybody think we need to make our marbles count in our marriage? like be intentional about how we're investing in our marriage and our relationships. Maybe you're a grandparent and, you, and you, you lost all your marbles, maybe once, maybe twice, but now you've got some grandkids that you've got an opportunity to make marbles count. And guess what, you don't have as many marbles because you don't see them as often. You don't get to spend as much time with them and so you need to make your marbles count. Now let me just drop this caveat in here a little bit. This message, There is zero condemnation. The Bible teaches us that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you've lost half your marbles or all your marbles and you don't feel like you made them count, there is no benefit from living in the past, from beating yourself up, from saying you're not good enough, you were a failure. Stop it! Don't do that. There's no condemnation. You know what there is? Today, this marble, today that you can make count. No matter what phase you're at, no matter what relationship you're focused on, you can make this marble count today. So we're gonna look at this passage in Mark nine. Above this passage in my Bible, the header says, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. Doesn't that sound like a great parenting message? And I'm not gonna teach this passage because Jesus healed a boy. And I'm not gonna teach this passage because a boy got healed by Jesus. The header over that section could just as easily say, what happens when a parent does what only a parent can do? Let's look at it in Mark 9, starting in verse 14. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. Let's stop it right there. This dad made a decision to do what only he could do. He made a decision to bring his son to the only one who could do anything about his circumstances. And parents, can I just remind you? Because sometimes we can get lulled into complacency. We can get stagnant. We can get lazy. We can get overwhelmed with the difficulty of parenting and just say, I'm just going to try and survive. And see, that's the problem. If we just try to survive the phases, we're not going to remember that we need to treasure every phase. Oh, survival is a horrible way to live. But if you realize that in each of the phases. Each and every one, there are moments to treasure. And this dad said, you know what? I'm going to do what only I can do. I'm going to make this count. I'm going to bring my boy to Jesus. And it goes on and it says, the dad says, he is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his spirit, this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I go? How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Let me just drop in here. When we tell you you should bring your kids to this church, we're not telling you just to bring your kids to a place. We're not telling you to bring your kids to the amazing children's workers or redefined student leaders or B kids or college ministry. We're not telling you to do any of that. You know what we're telling you to do? We want you to bring your kids to Jesus. Because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the solution. Now, there's some Jesus on the inside of these teachers and these leaders and the pastoral staff and a whole lot of people in this room. There's a whole lot of Jesus in this place. But don't make the mistake of bringing your child to people. Because people, just like this man experienced, just like this dad experienced, he took them to the disciples and he asked the disciples, can you heal my boy? And the disciples let down. They couldn't do it. If you come to Bethel Harvest Church long enough, as amazing as this place is, guess what? We're going to let you down. There'll be a moment when we don't do something that you think we should have done. Or when we did do something you thought we should not have done, there's going to be a moment When someone makes this mistake, someone lets you down. But my prayer is, and see, some of you here, you've been hurt by church. Sometimes subtly and, you know, it was just something you knew about. Other times it's been more public. It's been, for some of you, it's been painful, tragic even, the way the church has hurt you. And my prayer for you, if that's you, is that you'll do what this dad did and realize that people may fail you. People may let you down. But this Jesus, he's the real deal. Jesus will never fail you. He'll never let you down. He will always come through. And some of you even here today, maybe you got hurt a long time ago and you've shut your heart away from Jesus. And I pray that today would be the day that you'd open up again. And realize that no matter what people did, no matter how much they let you down, that Jesus will never let you down. Bring your child, bring yourself to Jesus and he will come through every single time. So keep going in verse 20. It says, so they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth how long has this been happening jesus asked the boy's father now hold on who who did jesus ask that of the boy's father now his disciples had just been praying for this boy what wouldn't it make sense i mean Jesus comes up into the the atmosphere. There's kind of craziness going on. Wouldn't it make sense for Jesus to just say, hey, Peter, James, John, what's the scoop here, boys? Come on, you're my guys. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's happening here with this boy. How should I pray? Come on, guys, tell me. But he didn't ask the disciples. Why is that? Because those disciples would never, could never know that little boy the way his daddy did. See, Jesus had respect for the unique relationship of a parent with a child. Jesus knew that there's things that only a mom or a dad can do, and you need to know there are things, no matter what phase your child is in, there are things that only a mom or a dad can do, and there's power in that relationship. Some of you today, you need to remind yourself, just just kinda say it in your head, maybe under your breath, there's power in the relationship I have with my child. Some of you have given up hope that you're the one that's gonna make the influence and the impact on your child. No, 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 just like Jesus recognized, there's some things that only you can do. Never forget that. Going on, Jesus replied, or the, the dad replied and said, since he was a little boy, imagine the desperation of this dad watching his boy suffer since he was a little boy. Since he was a little boy, so he's still a boy, but he's not as little as he used to be, right? So maybe, maybe the dad's in this jar. Maybe he's lost half his marbles. Maybe that little boy's nine or 10 years old. And for some reason, the dad made a decision. You said, you know what? I'm not gonna lose one more marble watching my son suffer. I'm not gonna lose one more marble waiting for someone else to do what only I can do. And so he took his son to Jesus. Verse 22, the spirit often throws him into the fire, dad was saying, and into water trying to kill him. And the dad cries out, he says, have mercy on us if you can. This is a parent who has lost hope. He's desperate, but not only that, He's made a decision to humble himself to come out of isolation and come to someone that he thinks can help his little boy. Parents, you're not alone. If you are in this room, let me guarantee you, you are not alone. This church family is here to love you and support you every way we can. But if you are suffering in isolation and unwilling to let us know what's going on, we can't help you as much as we want to. Those thoughts of shame or embarrassment about what you're dealing with in your family, those are from the devil, not from Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the answer, I want to help. Just reach out. Just, I dare you, Jesus is saying, pray a prayer and say, God, if you can help us, please help. Because then Jesus will reply the same way he did to this dad, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Anything, just say that with me, say anything Anything is possible possible." if if a person believes. Parents, don't give up hope. Don't let it down. Some of you again, you have grown children that you you held on to that scripture of God, if I train them up in a way that they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. And you're not seeing the reality of that. That's a promise in God's word. Guess what? If you don't see that reality yet, and you did your part, and you trained them up in the way that they should go, if you don't see it yet, he's not done. Don't let go of help. Nothing is impossible if you'll just believe. On the other side, some of you are like, I didn't train them up in where they should go. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Stop it with the shame and the blame and the condemnation. God doesn't work that way, okay? He works through love, acceptance, grace. God can put grace on that, and you can start with today, with this marble, and you can make a difference today. But it's your choice. So I want to give you, just in the next 10 minutes here, I'm going to give you a couple really practical ways to implement. This, this idea that we've got to be intentional, that we've got to make every marble count. And the first thing I wanna tell you is this, if you wanna make every marble count, you have to be intentional with your time. You, you can't just think good stuff's gonna happen without some effort. You've got to be intentional with the time that you have. And therefore, you've got to recognize how much time you have to work with, right? I mean, if you've got a toddler, you may have all the way up to 12 hours a day because they're attached to your leg. You can't even go to the bathroom without that child around you, right? But if you've got an elementary age child, maybe you've got about six hours a day because they go to school and then they come back. But if you've got a middle schooler, you may have four hours a day because they still need you to drive them places, but they don't need you as much. And if you've got a high schooler, oh, wait, just about there, maybe an hour, 30 minutes, The time diminishes, and so you've gotta be intentional. So ask yourself some questions. If you're taking notes, this is a great place to write these down, because this can be a homework assignment for you and your spouse, even to do with you and your kids, if you have older kids. Ask yourself these four questions. What time will we spend with our children on a daily basis? We've got waking up, going to bedtime, even that verse that Pastor Marion read during the baby dedication out of uh, Deuteronomy, where it was saying, hey, you need to repeat these things When you rise in the morning, when you're on the road, and when you go go to bed at night. So what is that? Like waking up time, breakfast time, drive time, bedtime. We have these times during the day with our kids, but we've got to recognize them and then say, how do I maximize those opportunities? Again, if your kid is in this phase and they grab a dry erase marker and they start going to town, I mean, you could freak out and be like, not a marker. Or you could realize, you know what? You're not always going to have this phase. Because when they get over to this phase, and they're doing homework, and they ask you for help on the homework, and they need math help, guess what? They're not always going to need help on the math. And for some of you, they're going to come to a point where you can't help them on a the mask. So you might as well, when it's a plus, you know, two plus two, you might as well help while you can. And, whew, y'all pray with me that my daughter doesn't want to go to the prom. But when she does, am I going to freak out about it? Or am I going to treasure that moment, that phase of life, and soak every bit of life that I can from it? in that phase. So what time do you have during the day, a day? What time do you have during the week? That's question two. Question three, what time do you have during a month? Because some things are monthly, they're not weekly or daily, they're monthly, like a, a monthly game night or a monthly celebration. And then the last question, number four, what times will we spend together during the year? And when you get to that one, you're thinking about traditions. What family traditions can we have? We have a family tradition. We go to a church camp every single summer. Uh, My grandma got saved there when she was 13 years old. My dad, my datter, my dad grew up there his whole life with his siblings. I've grown up there every single summer for 10 days, every summer. And now my kids, every summer, they grow up there for about 10 days. It's a family camp, so everybody's there together. And my wife, if you know, if you're here at Bethel, you know that me and Katie were beach people. We love the beach. We'll pray for the mountain people, but there's grace. Um, But Ella told me as we were pulling away from Camp Syker this summer, she's like, Dad, I love Syker so much that I love it better than the beach. (laughs) And, but why? It's a family tradition that she can count on. What are the times you're going to be together? Maybe it's birthdays or holidays. Maybe it's spring break or fall break. Whatever it is, make it special and make it something that they can count on throughout the year. Now, for those daily, weekly rhythms, can I give you the biggest piece of wisdom that you should take? Be present. Be present. Some of you right now, you're playing on your phone, and you do that with your kids too. (laughs) You're not present. You've got to be present with them if you want to have conversations. Ellen and I were having a ride home recently. And I had an earbud in my head. I was getting ready to turn on a a book or a podcast. And then she was sitting in the front seat and just started, it was just me and her, and she just started asking me questions because we like to play the question game. And she said, Daddy, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? And she said, you don't have to give up the church or family. You can take them all with you. And so we just started having this conversation and she kept rapid firing all these questions and asking me what if questions and we just had this beautiful conversation all the way home but it wouldn't have happened if I wasn't present. And I wasn't gonna be but she made me that way and I was smart enough to listen. By the way, if if you're wondering where we're going if I get to move anywhere and I get to take you with me we're all going to like California or Hawaii I'm not sure but that's where we're going. Make the moments count. Now, the second thing I want to tell you is this. If you want to make every marble count, like squeeze the life and the moments out of every single marble, you're not going to do it unless you recognize that you are not enough. Isn't that encouraging? Has anybody struggled with that feeling of, I'm not enough, I'm not sufficient, I can't meet their needs, I can't do everything they need, there's just not enough of me to go around? We all have, whether it's as a parent or as a spouse or a friend or an employee. And here's the encouragement for you. Guess what? You're struggling with that because you're not. <laughs> You'll never be enough. I'll never be enough. Because short of Jesus in me, I'm not. That that verse out of Deuteronomy, again, that pastor read of you've got to, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. These commands, you need to write them in your heart and on your heart. Guess what? Until something is in you and on you, you can't give it to somebody else. Until Jesus is in you, you can't give him to your children. You can't show them what the light and the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy looks like because you haven't received it yourself. Parents, can I tell you, the greatest gift you can ever give your kids, no matter what phase they're in, I don't care if they're grown up or if they're a toddler or you're holding them in your arms, the greatest gift you can give them is to surrender your life to a loving Heavenly Father who wants to be in relationship with you. Until you do that. Now, I'm not saying that makes everything perfect. I'm not saying your kids might not draw blood while they're in bath time if you got two boys. It's theoretical. I'm not saying that's actually happened. It doesn't fix everything, but you know what? It gives you a resource on those dark moments, on those dark days when you don't have the answers, when you don't know what to do, when you feel like you failed them. You can lean into the reality that he's in me, and because he is in me, I'm enough. You know, if those kids are yours, and if you feel like you can parent them without the help of Heavenly Father. If you are determined to navigate this life without relying on Jesus and being in a relationship with him, a fair warning, if that's your decision and that's what you're gonna do, you're gonna keep God at arm's length, you may be successful in that because he's not gonna force himself upon you. He only comes in by invitation. My pastor taught me this a long time ago. When I decide that I own something, then it's my responsibility to guard it, to protect it, to maintain it, and provide for it. Including my kids. If they're mine, then they're my responsibility. But if I realize that Jesus is in me, and because he's in me, I am a steward of everything I have. I'm just taking care of what God has entrusted to me If that's my reality, then I realize that I don't have to guard, protect, maintain, provide for my kids. The Jesus in me and through me is going to do it. And guess what? I'd much rather have God take care of my kids than me. You may be good, but you ain't God. Don't try to be. Don't put that burden on your shoulders because he didn't create you to carry it. He wants to be there and to help you and to serve you. Now, this other piece of you not being enough, once you get Jesus, guess what? We're still not enough because he created us for this, for community, for relationships. And we've got to be intentional about how we're going to widen the circle of influence in our children's lives. We've got to put them around the right people. What I said, leaned over and said to pastor on the front row, and I looked over, they were all lined up over here, all these parents and their kids. I leaned over and I said, this was the starting point for our kids, for your kids, for my kids when we made a decision like this to say, you know what, we're not going to go this alone. We're going to dedicate them to Jesus and we're going to dedicate our kids to being part of a spiritual family that will reinforce everything we want them to know. Because there will come a day, usually middle school-ish, when they're not going to come to you when they need counsel. They're not going to come to you when they need help. They're not going to come to you when they screwed up and made a really bad decision they shouldn't have made. They're going to go to someone else. And when I say you've got to widen the circle, you need to widen the circle so that when that happens, those people that you've been intentional about surrounding them with and putting them in relationship with, those are the people they're going to go to, and those people are going to give them the same answer that you would give them. So who's in your circle? Now here's the church. We want to partner with you. We want to come alongside you and be part of that circle to support you, to encourage you, to let you know that you're not alone. But the reality is, this is what we got. 50 weeks a year, and if you take out holidays and sick days and travel days, as a church, we've got about 40 weeks, not weeks, 40 hours that they're gonna be with us. When we can make a difference, when we can come alongside you, when we can partner with you, and we're we're gonna make the most of every single marble we can. We baptized a bunch of people last weekend, and I got a card in the mail, handmade with crowns from one of the little boys that got baptized last Sunday. And he said, thank you for baptizing me Said a little bit else, but he said, Now we will forever be brothers. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's kind of what I did. I, whoa. We made a marble count last week, didn't we? And we're going to do that every way we can. We're going to make the marbles count. And so we're not perfect, but we're going to point them towards Jesus every time they're around us. But when you look at this, seems obvious that all we we are going to partner with you and be there beside you the greater responsibility parents is on you the greater opportunity there are hours that you have that i'll never have that our children's and youth ministry and middle school teams they'll never have now when you're here well, we're gonna partner. We're gonna, Now, see, that just amplified it, right? You're doing your part, we're doing our part. But you've gotta realize, parents, that you've got to make your marbles count. That you've got to make the most of every single week, every single hour. Ushers, I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and pass those down the aisle. The ushers are gonna pass the offering buckets again. And this is the one time you're allowed to take something out of the offering bucket. They are filled with marbles. You want to take a marble out of the offering bucket. If you have more than one kid and you want to take one for each child, that's fine. But everybody take a marble out of the offering bucket as they're coming by you. Now, here's the thing. When you start to realize that you have a limited number of marbles, you start to become aware that you ever heard that pick your battles idea? I was just talking with a mom between services and she was saying she had a teenage daughter who lost her shoes this week. Then she was like, how do you lose a pair of shoes? And she was frustrated and she was doing some stuff at the house, but she made, made a decision on the fly by the grace of Jesus, she said, that she wasn't gonna get mad at her daughter for losing her shoes, even though it was ridiculous. I'm sure none of you have had teenagers or small children do things that were ridiculous and that deserve punishment. But you know what? Next time that happens, can you ask yourself a question? Is it worth losing a marble over? Because you only got 936 of these things. Is it worth losing a marble over? Or maybe, do you want to make that marble count? Now, I've given you a couple things. I went into a little bit of teacher mode because I really want you to not just be inspired today, but I want you to take action today to change your family. I want you to write down those four questions, days, weeks, months, years, where are you going to spend time, and write down the answers, and then say, how do I make the most out of the time I have? Because the older they get, the quicker that time goes away. And I want you to think about Who's in the circle? How are you widening the circle? Write down the five names of people that you want to be influencing your kids. Who do you need to get them around more? And you may need to be mindful to say there's some people in that circle that don't really need to be. Side note, don't cut off family, but you can limit connection with family if needed. Surround them by the right people, okay? And then there's other resources. If you get on Facebook and you just search, if you have kids in our elementary program, if you get on Facebook and search B Kids, there you have it up there, or just type in at BHC Kids, BHC B Kids, there is a page there that every single week you'll know what our lesson is, you know what's happening, you know what they're learning. And so when they come home from church, you made the morning count, but what if you made the evening count or the afternoon count as you have some conversations about what did you learn? what was happening, and you make it count. You make that marble count. And that's the encouragement. I want you to not just lose your marbles, because we all are, but I want us to make them count.